Hello, my name is Miller Pike. I'm a producer and creator located in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And you're once again joining me on AP Studio Files. AP Studio Files. If you're joining us for the first time, please check out season one with featured artists such as our fantastic technical producer, Anya Kapishki. If you're an old time listener, welcome back. Excited to introduce you to season two. Our first guest for season two is Woody Fu, a comedian originally from Scarsdale, New York, who has only picked up steam during the pandemic. With his degree from Wesleyan University and background in improv and sketch comedy with Magnet, UCB, and Boom Chicago, New York was a clear choice for Woody, and he has been here since graduating. Between his work with Nerdist, UCB, and collaboration with writer and fellow comedian S.J. Sun, Fu has cut himself a nice niche in the comedy world with his great writing, timing, and character work. Recent achievements include Just for Laughs, New Faces Characters 2021, and an upcoming Apple film, plus an Amy Schumer show, and will be our featured artist at October's Apartment Party event. So, welcome, Woody Fu. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. So, after my very canned intro, would you like to tell the people a little bit about yourself, who you are? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so hi, everyone. My name is Woody Fu. Um, I am a, a writer, actor, and creator from New York. What, what have I done? I did a ton of performing at The Magnet and UCB right here in good old New York City. Amazing. Um, and uh, I performed at Just for Laughs this year and in New Faces Characters, and I... I am uh, an actor. I I feel like I should end with like a big thing, and I'm like, as, after I said JFL, I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of it. So <laughs> I also have a Metro card. Just for laughs for anyone who doesn't know, but yes, yeah. amazing. And you live in Brooklyn. I live in Brooklyn. Awesome. Good old South Slope. Did you um, stay in Brooklyn for all of COVID? No. Um, I was living in Harlem, actually, because oh, okay. uh, my girlfriend and I broke up or were on a split, and then my parents, who live in the Burbs, were like, uh, you should come back to uh the suburbs where uh we are because my parents basically they were they were going to move into another house and just as they were about to move pandemic hit so they basically had two properties and they're like why don't you move back and move into one of these properties because you know the covid rate is way lower here and you have outdoor space i'm sure like yeah huge yeah yeah yeah. like it's fully you know if you're used to living in like a tiny new york apartment it's like oh yeah like a house great and i went back with my ex because i was like we were working on getting back together and we're like well we might as well just fully see if this works right so we moved in together for like i don't know like four or five months mm-hmm. in pandemic at my my parents new house that they hadn't moved into yet it was very weird uh very suburban very domestic <laughs> uh we went to trader joe's once a week oh my gosh and then we got back together and then so that i was not here for the worst part of pandemic okay. i was here for the beginning for the first like march through like may june and right. then we moved out yeah no that was the uh, same for me i was uh i was here 80 days in this apartment, actually. Mm. When I came back, finally, I like got vertigo walking back into my apartment. I was like, holy shit, it's yeah. so small. Yeah. And I was here for 80 days. Yeah. Um, Sense memory was like downloading trauma in real time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was upsetting. So growing up, you lived up in Scarsdale there, and that's where yes. your parents still are? Yes. Okay, uh, awesome. Scarsdale. Oh, Scarsdale. Like, oh, my God. Wait, where are you from? There? I'm from Texas. You're from Texas. Were yeah. you from a suburb of Texas or, like, rural? I'm from Dallas, so I'm, okay. I'm, like, Dallas proper. But, like, you know, it's it's all suburban outside of New York. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Take that, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, take that, Dallas. I love you, Dallas. <laughs> um, I, uh, Scarsdale was very boring. It was very white. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of, like, hanging around in um, parking lots, drinking 40s, talking about how great college is going to be. 
Yep. There was one comic book shop, and that was like where we'd hang out. Oh, yeah. Uh, alternate realities. Shout out to alternate shout realities. Out. It was a suburb. You know, it was like yep. I, I had, my graduating class was like 95 people. So, oh, like, wow. if you farted once in third grade, people you remember were that. You were the stinky boy. Yeah, you're stinky boy until yeah. you graduate. Oh, man. Yeah, so no, there's that's a, rough. There's a lot of like, when I get to college, I will reinvent myself and it's going to be, I'm going to have, my hair is going to be a different color and people won't even know about my previous trauma. It's going to be so great. I'll I'm just gonna, be inventing trauma as we go yeah, yeah, off yeah. the cuff trauma. I'm going to create new <laughs> nicknames, new personality quirks. Uh, I can be anyone I want. It's, uh, American exceptionalism. Um, <laughs> that was the suburbs. It's very boring. How did, did you get into comedy? Was this something that you were, did you have early comedic aspirations? No, I had Sorry, none. I hate myself. <laughs> That question. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a good question. And then you're like, I, I, I rescind the question. No, but I, I mean, I feel like some people use that if you were in an environment where you're like, oh, I'm traumatized on the day. It's weird because I feel like almost everyone who does comedy, either one, has a parent who is really funny or mm. two, like was bullied a ton and that was their way to not get bullied. Okay. And weirdly, mine was neither. So like I was... I was basically a good boy. I was a really good boy, like, yeah. all through my 20s, easily. Mm-hmm. Like, I had, like, a big boy job. I, like, worked on, like, video production. And, like, I was checking a lot of the boxes for, like, parental approval. And gotcha. I had always wanted to do improv. Like, I saw a bunch of early UCB shows uh, when I graduated college. So it's, like, I used to watch, like, ASCAD all the time. And, like, I, I, I loved it. But I was always, like, afraid to do it. And okay. then uh, what actually happened was I, st- I saw my friend do a graduating class show from, like, the Magnet Theater. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, I love improv and I always want to do this. So, like, I got back into it later on. But it was always something that I wanted to do but was, like, too afraid to admit to myself. Upright Citizens Brigade was started by four comedians, Matt Besser, Ian Roberts, Matt Walsh, and Amy Poehler. They broke off from Second City in Chicago and moved to New York City. They converted a strip club that was closed under Giuliani into a theater. They then took what they'd learned from legends Del Close and Sharna Halpern and made long form improv cool in New York City. They relocated from the strip club, expanded to three theaters in New York City and two in LA. Their alumni include Aubrey Plaza, Thomas Middleditch, Jason Manzukis, Kate McKinnon, Donald Glover, Nick Kroll, Alana Glazer, Abby Jacobson, and many, many more. The Magnet Theater, like UCB, was founded by students of Del Close, Armando Diaz, Ed Herbstman, and Shannon Manning starting in 2005. Diaz, Manning, and Herbstman were friends from Chicago, where they studied under improv guru Del Close at Improv Olympic. Diaz also co-founded the People's Improv Theater, PIT, or Pitt, where Herbsman taught. Armando Diaz and Sean Taylor currently own and operate Magnet Theater. Because you went to school at Wesleyan, mm-hmm. and what did you study there? Um, studied American <laughs> Studies. Oh, American <laughs> Studies, which sounds made up because <laughs> it's basically a made up. It's like a it's like a nothing major. It's like right. oh, do you like sociology and English and psychology and like literature and study like study of history? the human? Yeah, <laughs> human being it's, psyche. It's even like broader than sociology. Wow. It's like a bullshit major. Um, but that was. Yeah. That's what I majored in. And did you ever use? I don't even know how you would go about using such a degree. It is. It is. Um, it is useless. It is useless. <laughs> Literally, like the only thing you can do is like teach American right, studies. Like right. I like this is what it was like. It's I just was, a pipeline for professors. Yes, it is a self-perpetuating <laughs> like like. Why do we study this so we machine. can teach it? Why do we study this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a Groundhog Day of professors yeah. like eating their own tail. This is what it was in senior year at Wesleyan. 
This is the kinds of papers I would write. I would write. <laughs> Please. I literally wrote a 20-page paper comparing Mrs. Doubtfire to Tootsie. Which, if you've seen those oh, movies, yeah. that, th- those are like those are like loaded with like sociological questions that you can raise, yeah. right? Because it's like labor, and then it's like cross-dressing, and then it's like you know these men who are like cross-dressing to like get in touch with like their like feminine, feminine side or like idea. children or whatever. You know, it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of intersectional, well, <laughs> for you know, it, of the late '80s, of I the, guess. Yeah, you would I was say. gonna say of the time. There's a lot to write an essay about, mm-hmm. and I wrote like essays like that, or <laughs> I wrote like a ten-page paper about like Ferris Bueller and how he's like. Basically, a sociopath. Like, yeah, he spends 100%. a whole movie like manipulating Fucks his whole people. Friends. So that is what you do as an American studies major. You write bullshit papers. <laughs> That's what I did, at least. And then I was like, abruptly, I was like, oh, none of these skills are applicable in any job setting yeah. whatsoever. So, what kind of work did you start to do? So, this is out of college. You're in New York City by this time. Yeah. So, right after college, I moved straight to New York. Um, okay. The first thing I did weirdly was I was a DJ for like yes. five years. Oh my God! Tell me a story. Tell me a DJ story. Uh, it's very boring, <laughs> honestly. This is the thing that this is a misnomer about DJs. People are like, yo, DJing, like that must have been crazy. It's like Get it's wild. not. <laughs> it's not what it truly is. Is like you are isolated playing music for a big room Mm -hmm. but you're not directly in communicating with anybody oh. and you're slowly getting hammered by yourself yeah and then suddenly it's 4 a.m people wa- yeah you're just people watching you're, and which you know after a while like it becomes kind of toxic you're like i hate you people <laughs> um but after years and years in this like that's what kind of slowly happens but then like mm-hmm. okay at 4 a.m then you like wait to get paid so now it's like 4 30 a.m and then you call your dj friends <sighs> and you get food at a diner so you know what I mean you're oh. like going to sleep at the so it's like that part is fun but it's yeah. like it's very isolating yeah totally um but it was cool i loved it like i learned like i amassed a big record collection i like became a big record nerd here's a story i used to dj at I dj at the w hotel in okay. Times square yeah which is you know, like, like very Republican national convention vibes. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was W Hotel. Eh. A lot of large hair. A lot of large hair. And yeah. um, one time I was there and this guy came up to the booth and he was like, hey, hey, I'm Genuine. I'm like, oh, hey, hi, Genuine. He's like, can you play Pony by me, Genuine? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I will. I will, so yeah. I did. And then like he had his like entourage and they all like got really excited. But I was also like, Genuine, you don't have to request your own song to me. Like, you, you know what I mean? Just like, what do you really want to hear? Yeah, He's yeah. like, my song, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, truly. Or like, just send one of your like cronies up. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but he, the, he came up and he's like, can you play like my song? I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, that, that, that is my brush with fame. <laughs> that's amazing. As a DJ. So then, so you're in your twenties, you're in New York city. I feel like that's like a truly formative time for anyone to live in New York mm-hmm. city. I feel like, I'm grateful that I wasn't here until I was like 25 mm. because honestly, if I had been here, I think I would have uh, imploded yeah. or had like had to go to rehab. It's yeah, it's a lot. I mean, like I never went to the city as a kid. Right. You know what I mean? So when you first I feel like when you first moved to New York, especially if you're younger, the first four years are basically college. Mm-hmm. Like you have like a freshman year of New York and like a sophomore year. And like, that makes so much sense. You know what I mean? You kind of like and freshman year you go ham because you don't know. Yeah, you're there's up no for rules. any opportunity. Yeah. You're like nothing's tethering you down. Yeah. When did you get onto the like UCB? I know you you did a couple of different. You did Magnet. Yeah. UCB. Um, yeah. The short version of that is basically I did a ton of improv at the magnet okay and so i was performing there a lot and then one day uh someone came and they're like we're doing a casting for boom chicago which okay. is a theater it's called boom chicago but it's in amsterdam oh, okay and it's basically like an english language comedy theater in amsterdam where you perform like a second city style like sketch and improv show for 
tourists primarily. Amazing. So that they came and they were casting, they were looking for castmates for that job. So I auditioned and then got cast for that. So basically I lived for a year in Amsterdam performing every night. That was like a big, like, that was just like, I, I got my reps in basically. Right, right. I was going to say, that sounds like going to the gym. Like every night you're like throwing out new stuff or you're just reworking. Both. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was like sketch in short form. So like oh, okay. the sketch stuff would remain the same and then the short form would be new. And then, then we would be in process to write a new show. So okay. then we, at night during that time, we would like write new material and put it up at night and see what works and tweak it. That was like, I learned a ton there. I learned like about like how to host, you know, how to host right. like a big room, like how to like stage presence for a sketch mm-hmm. or like I learned how to like come up with jokes that were that worked for me that came from me yeah 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 but also this was like 2015 and it was also like in very very white netherlands so like i was gonna say a lot of my jokes were like super self-racist and reductive Mm. Um, looking back are you like yo yeah yeah a a thousand percent yeah i i actually i have like dvds from it because like they would they have there's a camera and they will tape it and then like Mm -hmm. recently i was going through some stuff at my parents house and i was like there's like a dvd right digital video disc (laughs) for anyone uh, for everyone (laughs) go down to the blockbuster (laughs) yeah which which was an old place that used to sell and rent <laughs> my blockbuster discs. is now a liquor store which i think is a very nice apropos right. moment for no. my life <laughs> yeah it's like it, it sunk back into the sea and then yes, exactly emerged. re-emerged is yeah. what i needed <laughs> um but i watched a dvd of me performing and i was like oh what are you why, are, why, why are you are doing that doing to that? yourself yeah. why you you're volunteering to do that to your like you're putting yourself in that position but also i feel like it was still valuable you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's everything is like you're figuring out what works for you. Right, and Um, you're kind of shedding what doesn't. Yeah. Just a little info for our listeners, because I was curious as well. The Netherlands is around 80% white as of a 2018 study. So you were doing improv sketch, and then I know you said hosting, but also like your stand-up and characters. Did that kind of come out of some of that? Mm, Not yet, no. That came later, because I was still basically like, oh, to me, that was still mind-blowing, because I was like, oh, you can make money from performing which at the time was like i didn't understand that right right? like i didn't understand that a career in comedy could be made Mm -hmm. and that people do it obviously there's like a whole industry of people who do it and like i did not know any of that or understand how to break into it and so this was my first like paid opportunity to do it where i was like oh it's just like any other job like you develop a skill set um you make contacts Mm -hmm. if you're pretty good and not an asshole. Well, in comedy, that doesn't that's that one's not so much an issue. You show up. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, if you're fairly competent, like and and know certain people, then you can get jobs. Yeah. And so from that, I was like, okay, this is, I'm that's what I'm gonna focus on doing. Right. So then when I came back to New York, I did like a bunch of UCB, and then like I worked on writing and like started doing characters because one of my goals was to do JFL and Saturday Night Live, and that was all like. That was from that. I was like, okay, I'm going to come back and focus on these goals now. Now right. that I kind of like have a destination to more of a, a goal, career place goal to go to. path mm-hmm, yeah. for sure. So you're kind of forming what your. I mean, I feel like we all go through these transformations where we kind of form like what is the next thing. I know that COVID was a big thing for me mm-hmm. during that. Just going, okay, what do I really actually miss mm-hmm. about real life? And that was for me. It was giving space for other people to do their work, to show mm-hmm. their work, to produce events. So it sounds like you were really like kind of coming into that. So that that's one of your goals, right? Right. And how long has that been like your north star? I mean, I feel like before. For those who don't know, Woody was a guest in July or summer of 2019 Mm -hmm. at Apartment Party. And I feel like when I started to kind of find the rhythm of Apartment Party and that community, that was something that became, oh, like, I'm good at this Mm -hmm. and I enjoy this. So, I mean, starting when Apartment Party was really on the roll, like, 
2019 and then obviously going into 2020 it was a little er, mm. but having that realization during covid of like i still really miss this and i still really want to do this yeah i feel like it goes it's either like you have you're in your bones you're like that's what i want to do right and you just start doing that and then like as you're doing it you accumulate all these other things that right. are happening because you're walking towards your goal <laughs> right and those are good things right like you meet people or like oh there's like these side projects that pop up or whatever but then like also for me it's like suddenly like that goal is like not an option anymore right and you're like oh so what what's so what's my what, what am i doing what's happening now well i mean it sounds like a lot of things are happening for you yeah. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean from the outside perspective when i for those who don't know i kind of send out a, like a little questionnaire sort of just to see like what the person yeah. i'm about to interview is up to and yeah. i was impressed yeah. i was impressed i mean uh just to run down a few uh, achievements we have the just for laughs new faces characters 2021 which which, Um, honestly like i this is a joke that always follows it which is like that means so much to like one percent of the population and like to everyone else they're like oh is that but it's also a comedy thing isn't it the one percent of the population that you're trying to impress yes (laughs) well then there (laughs) you go (laughs) it is but it's like you know it's okay for example it's like if i tell my mom right, right i'm like i'm going to la to do just for laughs she's like all right, well, say hi to your cousin because he lives in L.A. You know, like, what that means? That, that has no import response. for her whatsoever. Like, it doesn't register in her mind as, like, a thing. It's like, okay, sweetie, L- I caught L.A. out of that. Right, right, right. Yeah, the only thing I heard is that L.A., and there's two two cousins there, so you should reach out <laughs> should to them. Ch- Make sure you reach out. out to them. One of them is a lawyer. I'm like, okay. Okay, cool, cool. Um, good to know. Yeah, good to know. Just for Laughs was started by Gilbert Rosan in 1983 as a French comedy festival in Montreal called Juste pour Rire. Two years later, Rosan was joined by Andrew Nolman to create the English version. It now takes place scattered across Montreal with performances at pubs, theaters, and other venues. In 2020, it was held virtually, and in 2021, it was hybrid online and in person with shows in Montreal, New York City, and Los Angeles. New Faces has been a Just for Laughs staple in Montreal since 1996, showcasing the brightest and funniest new talent. Past cohorts have included Kevin Hart, Amy Schumer, and Fortune Feimster. You also have other achievements. You have an upcoming Apple TV film. I do. Yeah, I do. And a new Amy Schumer show. Right, but uh, yeah. I mean, this is the thing is that like I and also my partner like kind of has to point this out to me all the time that I constantly like undercut. Right. No matter what. Right. Because everything's bad or or like I'm not I'm not achieving the performance level that I want to be at. Right. Because also like I this is my own thing. I do tons of uh, compare and despair like constantly. Right. No, you got to stop that. It's bad. (laughs) It is. I know. But it's like we were just talking about this before. It's like it is so easy and natural to be like, well, I was in the same position that person was like two years ago. And now they're like doing this thing, which like, sure, I wasn't trying to do that thing, but would I like to do that? Boy, would I, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't make sense. It's not like rational, but like that is the emotional, like, well, I I want that thing like kicking in. So I, yes, I have to say this year, like I did do a lot of things that you check some boxes. I did check some boxes. Absolutely. Good for you. And, but I, I always like, lends them pessimistically because 
my productivity is driven by anxiety. Yeah. So I, so I, I constantly need something to be anxious about no, essentially. I, I totally understand. I mean, I remember when we, so we did a mini episode is going to be one of the new things in the podcast and Whoop. Anya and I recorded the first mini episode for season two last month mm. and I was depressed mm. and I just had to come and I was like, I have not done the prep that I should have done. I'm not where I should be yeah. and I'm depressed and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Like, let's, let's go. So there is that moment where you have to just kind of have to take a step back and go, Okay, I'm doing the things and I'm getting myself through yeah. and into I think the next thing. A lot of that is just discipline. It's like sure. if you ever read these books of like, you know, these are the daily rituals of like a hundred like famous people throughout history, right? Ugh. They always like, yeah, first Sorry. of all, first of all, first fuck, fuck you, you, famous people. Half of you are dead. <laughs> all of you are men. Um, but yeah. also it's like all those books are like they woke up at 6 a.m. and then they like wrote until like noon right. and then they had a cup of coffee and ate lunch and then and then wrote letters until 4 p.m. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But like they had some kind of like intense discipline where like when they, uh, even when they didn't want to, they would just sit down and do the thing, which is the hardest thing for me. And I feel like comedy has a lot of that sort of built into it. Like the nature of comedy is like you said, you put in your reps, you did your dues. Like when you go to do improv or whatever, you're like, you're yeah. once again having to get in there and do it. I love like improv and sketch because it's collaborative. Right. Cause like, you know, the whole premise of improv is like, two people discovering something is more interesting than one person trying to surprise themselves, right? Right. But when you're writing, you're literally just trying to surprise yourself, right? So it's that to me is why I hate it because mm. I'm sitting down and I'm like, okay, brain, like, first of all, impossible to turn off editor brain, but like, that's what you have to do, right? right? And then you just like, I'm just going to try to write and write and write and not judge any of it, which I can't do. But it's hard to like create that you have to create it. You have to create the space to allow it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to like, okay, I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to like have this thing here. I'm going to do my little pre-writing ritual and then I'm going to like open my computer and then I'm not going to check anything else. I'm just going to start writing or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Like that's the hardest thing. And that's not just writing. That's That's any creative thing. Right, right. So like... You and your writing partner, SJ, I know you've done a couple of different things, including your Asian friend Mm -hmm. and also, which is a video series that you should all check out. Honestly, if you were to get kidnapped, they would think it was me because there's so much of your content pulled up on my computer right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like a creepy amount of your content that I watched this week. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. So, uh, so the video series, your Asian friend, which that was a one-off. That was a one-off. Yeah. Was that with Nerdist? Yeah. Nerdist and UCB comedy produced it. Um, and we produced it's well it. produced. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. well, I uh, it was UCB Comedy in New York when they were still around were right. doing it. They like provide the cameras and the DPs and la la. But that was uh, the first thing we were oh, actually the first thing we worked on together was uh, I did a one man show and then I had like a sketch in it that required other people. So I had her come in mm-hmm. and, and the sketch was basically like I represent China. She represents Korea and this other guy. Fumi represents Japan and then we are Asian explaining what like inter-Asian racism like inter-country racism like right. Japan is racist against China and vice versa mm. to America mm-hmm. and we're explaining them like, like why these countries are all racist against each other and we do it in the style of a barbershop quartet so we're like singing like like the history of like World War II and right. shit and that that was the first like thing I worked with her on right and then from there I was like hey 
UCB reached out, do you want to do like this sketch thing with me? And she's like, okay. So then we, that's what Eurasian friend came from. I, which I love. I mean, there's a couple, everyone should check it out. I think actually Anya uh, uh, video edited one of the pieces. So we'll give Whoa, a shout really? out there. Yeah, yeah. Which Anya, one? Anya was like, that's Woody. <laughs> that's so funny. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny that such a small world connection between mm-hmm. uh, UCB and uh, video editing world. Yes. Um, yeah, I feel like UCB almost is like, MTV in New York it's just like everyone kind of goes through it at some point or like knows somebody who you know what I mean it's like a rite of passage Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways yeah and I definitely think it is especially like in your profession so when we saw each other last which is in 2019 now Mm -hmm. or maybe we've seen each other a couple times but in terms of like performance um, Mm -hmm. when you performed at apartment party you were already starting to kind of work on a few of these characters that you used for just for laughs yes including I believe like Keanu for sure which My mom. <laughs> She's like, he's like her one pass. Sorry, dad. <laughs> I, I mean, he's universally loved. He's you know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone has a bad thing to say about Keanu. No, which is fantastic. Then and you threw the John Wick. You're like, he's the nicest guy ever. Uh, right, slaughtering right. Slaughtering everybody. Yeah, his movies are him like brutally murdering Just, everybody. And he's like apparently a really good shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like he's, nice he guy. has a, he's a, like a rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like any, you can go down so many, cause there's like, Literally YouTube videos of him training like at a shooting range and right. you see him like moving through the space like a SWAT officer. Yep. Like he's just like pulling headshots on like these like shooting targets. And he's also fucking huge. Yeah. So I used to cater waiter. Ooh, glamorous. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. as we black all t-shirts. did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, black shirt, black tie. Yep, exactly. And John Wick 3 premiere was one of the things that I did. And basically mm. my job was just to make sure that him and all of his elderly punk rock friends, mm. which is like his whole entourage is like these old punk dudes, Hell yeah. which I love. Totally, totally tracks. And the John John Wick 3 is the one that used a lot of like martial artists and mm-hmm. so it was like all of the yeah, yeah. Uh, martial artists choreographers mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and him mm-hmm. <laughs> and he led like one scotch on the rocks just like a lovely fella yeah um, <laughs> yeah 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 I can totally visualize that yeah. I mean he's ugh, the other thing about him is that like I don't get the sense that he likes like performing for camera meaning like like in interviews like mm-hmm. having to like be extroverted yeah you know what i mean like th- if you ever watched that thing that he he like hosted some like video game conference where he had to come out and be big energy and it's very unnatural on him yeah like, he doesn't want to do it but he <laughs> you know what i mean he's just he strikes me as such an introverted guy yeah like if just his vibe like he just sits there and like quietly sitting there and like holding a scotch on the rocks yeah. like Okay. Much more his a, speed. A quiet, quiet moment. Right yeah. Now. As, for, I mean? as soon as the fight choreographers came out, he was like keyed into them, mm. and he was like, "That was what he wanted to be." But I just think that's a real, that's a great character, and you really embody him well. Oh, thank it. you. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a funny guy. But you had, you have such good characters in this piece, and they're really funny. I just watched the like YouTube clip. The character reel. Yeah, the oh, character yeah, yeah. reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. So when did that sort of? So obviously, I saw some of those in their early stages, I guess, in 2019. But when did that really start to solidify? is like something that you were writing these like character monologues for a lot of it was it's a couple things it was one i wanted to audition for snl so i was like i was like oh you need characters for that unless you're doing stand-up and which i didn't want to do right so i was like how do you do characters and then in new york there's like a whole characters program that like uh, at the time was headed by like michael hartney eric fuhrer sarah smallwood parsons and i was like oh i can start taking classes at UCB and like go through that system and like meet people and like, you know, get on a character's team and like write pieces so that I have them ready to go if the opportunity comes up. So that was all in aid of that. It was also from necessity because like characters is a thing that you can do as one person. You know what I mean? Well, yes, you need tech probably, but like 
you know, it's like stand up in that like you're like, okay, well, it's just me. And I'm going to go do this show. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I think that that's something as like when I was more pursuing being an actor, something I became frustrated by. It was mm. like, I need like, I need to be cast in something to do something, you know? Yeah. To... Being an actor sucks. <laughs> There's sucks. so many like obstacles against you. One of those is like, oh, you need an agent to get auditions, but you can't get auditions on the US. You have an agent. So like fucking solve that impossible puzzle. <laughs> yep. And then also exactly like what you're saying is like, oh, I need like... I need all these things in order right. to just start, in order to have like a reel, in order to like for people to even give a shit who I am. Yeah, you got to like start off the bat and especially now, I mean, you got to sink a couple thousand dollars into like headshots, you know, all, all these various things that you need to get started. That was actually something that was a really huge realization for me during COVID is that I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. And I think that in this industry, in the performing industry in general, you are sort of uh, conditioned to believe that not doing it any longer is like giving up. Yeah. And because so many people are like, you know, you just have to stick with it because so many people just drop out. They just drop out. And, and if I'm you're like, the last person there, yeah. you'll get the job. <laughs> and you're like, like great. Cool. I'll, just, I'll just outlast every human being on earth. <laughs> great. That's my plan. My long-term plan. I'll just be hoping that local celebrities uh, don't have any more children. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. are my type. I just, <laughs> I just hope that like Tom Hanks is like, you know what? I think my son's not going to act. Yeah. You know what? I just, you know, like the Timothy Chalamet's of the world. Right. That right. I'm just going to disappear. God, that is I, yeah, that was another thing that that was so annoying to me like uh, because like I'm such a good boy like the thing I keep coming up against over and over again I'm like oh it's not a meritocracy like it has nothing to do with your ability like you just have to be able to do it but also like it depends on who you know and I'm 100%. like I'm like oh that's why like Lenny Kravitz is like daughter has a career it has a career you know, or yeah. like at least had like a great opportunity to have a career 100 you know, like, percent I and mean, then, uh, there's, what was I saw a TikTok recently that was talking about, it was like, oh, it was some sort of song and I'm not going to try and sing it, but it was basically talking about if you Google all your favorite celebrities, their parents um, yeah. have a blue note yep. on Wikipedia, yes. which means they're also famous, which is just the most infuriating yeah. thing ever. It also, there's <laughs> another, rich. The, uh, adjacent to that, uh, the game I like to play is if, if you ever see an older elderly actor on film or TV, Google them young because they were always hot oh, as yeah. hell like oh, everyone yeah like think about like the oldest male actors you can think of like just google them younger and you're like damn you're hot yeah. yo who was i looking up recently it was uh probably christopher walken who was just like yeah. yep grade a dancer yes. boy meat. all of them all <laughs> of, like christopher Plummer, like like all these like old ass men you're like damn 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 young Bro you could get it yeah i mean old walking could get it come on <laughs> who are we talking about all walking <laughs> all walkins could get it so in terms of just like comedy in general I know this is broad uh, subject change but like comedy in general like what are your thoughts where do you see comedy going I know like Anya was my first guest on season one and <laughs> is, is a co comedy writer as well and also just crazy multidisciplinary artist mm. um, but we talked a lot in that first episode obviously this was like the depths of it was last mm -hmm. winter and we were just ugh, just like barely struggling through mm -hmm. talked a lot about kind of uh, a lot of theater and arts shift to online and obviously you were already like very deep in that with your Asian friend and a couple of different YouTube channel things that you were working on at that time. Mm -hmm. um, where do you kind of see like live comedy and or next parts of comedy going? Sorry, that was very broad. No, no, no. I know. It's a great question. I, it's, it's an almost like an overwhelming question because I feel like on the one hand, everything is like shattering, right? Everything is right. becoming like increasingly um, niche, mm -hmm. right? So it's like 
obviously like network is not as big as it used to be and like there's like a zillion streaming platforms right but also right. like everyone now is way savvier than they were 20 years ago so like everyone is trying to be like Issa Rae or Jordan Peele right everyone's like great I'll just like create my own production company and then like own my own material and write my own stuff and like edit it and produce it and then like be build an empire by myself right and which you know with everything we were just talking about how hard it is to break that ceiling it's, yes it's very appealing yeah and the problem is or the challenge to that is that like so many of the institutions are still from 40 years ago right yep. so all the gatekeepers are from 40 years ago they gotta go they, yeah yeah, but also they, you know, they are training their replacements who are, like, learning the same kind of thing. So yep. it's like, I don't know, it's, at the end of the day, it's like a couple things. I think uh, you you have to be, talent always rises to the top. I think even if yep. you are, like, there because of nepotism, you still have to have some level of talent. I agree. And, like, and work ethic. And work ethic. Yeah, everyone I know who has any success has, at least, has worked their ass off. You might not like what they do, but they've worked their ass off. Yeah. So I think... Ultimately, what's going to happen is that, like, people – it's going to be different versions of the same thing. Right. I think. Like, everyone's going to do their version of, like, I'm going to write, tell my story. I'm going to tell my story. And then, like, certain people will decide what of those stories get made based on, like, what the market is and, like, uh, what what they have resources to make at that moment. And so, like, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to answer because I feel like everything always goes back to casting, which is, like, when you are auditioning for something – and the casting director or the people who decide who's going to get put on the cast, they're like, okay, we're going to have five headshots on this poster at the end of it when we're done casting. Right. So we just have to pick what are the five faces and what do they look like next to each other. Mm. And after and, and that is almost always reductive because it's like, okay, well, we need one black face and we need one like white face and we need one like female face. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like they are almost putting it together that way as opposed to like, well, this person is like this and this person's like that. And you know what I mean? And so like... I feel like the way things always get made, or at least in this older system, it's always reductive based on like, how do we like kind of create the poster that offends the least amount of people, right? Which is like not a way to make something, but it's it is- It's kind of early 2000s way. I know, but it, that, <laughs> I feel like a lot of that is still like- Ingrained in Ingrained the in like the studio systems and mm -hmm. like TV, how TV is cast and everything. And like through that, like there's a lot of people who are very talented who get on those posters because, you know, they work their ass off. But there's also people who are like, you are- a pretty face. So we'll just put you in there. Right. Right. Uh, because people want to look at pretty faces. So it's like, it, it's very hard because like in reaction to that, then you have people who are like auteurs. You have like Donald Glover and like uh, Phoebe Waller bridge, like people, yes. people who are like true visionaries who are like making their own shit and don't compromise on like, well, I'm just going to write the thing that will get made. They're like, I'm going to write my thing and then fuck you. You're going to make it. Yeah. Uh, cause I am who I am. Cause and, I am who I am. And I'm bringing my team to this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I feel like so many like creator people tr aspire to be. Like I definitely like am wanting to, and trying to do that. Right. Yes. Um, but the thing is there's so many people doing that, especially now that it's like, it just makes everything more like, Oh, you have to be five times better at doing this. UCB had been struggling financially for years before they were shut down by the pandemic. They've come under fire for their payment practices and perpetuation of systemic racism. According to an article in the LA Times from last year, critics said that the self-perpetuating white power structure fostered by these institutions led to the belittling and marginalizing of diverse voices, racial bias in voting for team members, and lip service to the concept of inclusion while providing little mentorship or passion for advancement to black, indigenous, or other people of color." End quote. 
Unfortunately, UCB and the pit were both closed due to the pandemic. You said something earlier about there being so many niche markets for stuff like that, though, mm-hmm. too. Or, or like media has become so much more niche because of whatever it is. The algorithm is pushing the niche thing that you, yeah. you know, I'm on berries and cream TikTok right now and I want to, you know, kill myself. <laughs> and also, I think like with the pandemic and everything, I'm, a lot of that stuff kind of shut down. And, and also because of, you know, race awareness was being examined more but it's almost like well Mm -hmm. i mean it comes back to if the systems are not dismantled then the operations can't be reworked yeah i i just always feel like the systems are being dismantled but also like furiously being remantled you know what i mean simultaneously yeah it's like it's like dismantling at the marketing level right 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 (laughs) but it doesn't really seep back to where it where it actually matters um i think at the end of the day like it just increases the amount of competition because I feel like so many more people are making things now yes. at a scale that was wildly not there 10 years ago, um, which just means that you have to be better at doing it. Yeah, the amount of content being put out. I mean, TikTok alone is like staggering right now. I got on TikTok during the pandemic and I, I, don't, I don't know I don't know how to get off. Please help me. Somebody somebody get me not off me, of TikTok. Me. I play Angry Birds 2. Have you heard of it? It's a great game for your mobile phone. I'm not even joking. I play this and I actually hate myself for playing it. It's so good at making you like just tap the fucking button like a like a oh, mouse trying to get cheese. I love it. Speaking of making stuff, you um, and your writing partner SJ have well, you first you worked on this live piece together, and then uh, your Asian friend, and now your podcast also Emotional Slut. Yes. Which are we going to hear more? It's on break right now okay. because uh, SJ got a, a writing job, Woo-woo-woo. and yeah, she's we'll let her do it. Yeah, she, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's pursuing her career, uh. but yeah, I mean, like um, that was something that we started during pandemic because mm-hmm. we we're like we can't make videos right now, but we can like record like audio record podcasts. Ourselves. So yeah. we started doing that. We're also trying to pitch our sketch show, which has its own challenges because you know, well, there's two. The positive and the negative. The positive version of it is, is like, look, if you have the idea and like it's good and like, mm-hmm. you know, you're passionate about it, it can be made. We will figure out ways to make it. The negative version is like kind of like the industry facing version, which is like, well, you two are relatively unknown. So we would need like a famous person's like a thumbs up like to EP it and also gotcha. like get like a million and a half dollars to make Yo! it. And we're like, well, we, you know, we don't have like Randall Park like giving us a thumbs up behind yeah. us. So... I guess we're just going to make it as we can. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we're trying to make right now. Um, and also, yeah, no, that 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 is yeah. what we're trying to work on right now. Well, so when you started your podcast, Emotional Slut, available on all streaming platforms, yes? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. On Spotify and Spotify, and Apple. Spotify and Apple. Spotify and Apple. Uh, there we go. When you started making that, was it, I mean, I know for me, AP Studio Files came out of kind of wanting to keep connected with this community. Was, mm-hmm. was that, I mean, and also like, you guys share hilarious stories and are also just very naturally like funny and have a very good rapport as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So like, what, what was your motivation behind starting that? What it was, your was motivation? Uh, sorry. This, this is your recurring question. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, a lot of it came from, this is really weird. I, uh, no one's ever asked me this question before. So SJ one time, she was like, I wrote something in my journal and I don't know what it means. I wrote emotional slut. And I'm like, that sounds really compelling and I don't understand what it means either. So then we were talking about it and basically what we came up with is it is 
the logline of the show is if Americans are sexually repressed and Asians are emotionally repressed, then Asian Americans are double repressed. <laughs> and so it's about emotional sluts moments are like weird outbursts when you when like you've been repressing something and it like comes out in Sideways. some yeah yeah it comes out in some like disproportionate to the context way you know what i mean totally like if someone's mean to you and then two days later you're like screaming at an avocado or something it's like that's an emotional slut moment right so it that's what the podcast is it's like what are these weird like outbursts that we have that are normally related to like for her it was like people she was dating at the time for me it's like my parents usually like mm -hmm. all these frustrations and like repressed things that we carry around and then like we explode that's that's what the the podcast is and then we like break down like users generated stories users will like anonymously submit on a google form like um like dating disaster stories yes. and then we like break them down um, i love that yeah that's been i mean the episodes are really fun you guys ha seem to have a good time yeah they're re they are really fun it's just we don't we can't find time to do them anymore yeah, yeah. it's hard it's hard kind of like quote unquote make time you gotta <laughs> make time for our content woody <laughs> we want it well thank you so much for being here today yeah i'm of course. just gonna ask you a few more questions okay let's do, I, i'm i'm rubbing my palms in anticipation okay, so for my listeners this is our first episode of the second season <gasps> yes we yeah. love it yeah yeah i'm coming in strong woody foo <laughs> um so our, our first thesis question for season one was what does joy look like in a community setting going forward for mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. and so sort of coming out of that and throughout i asked each guest we had five guests last season and each asked them and a lot of what came out of it was the need for support obviously last year was you know a very lonely year a very separated year a mm -hmm. realization of like needs unmet kind of year so our thesis question for this season is uh what methods of community and in support inspire you looking forward oh man this is a great question i think for me it's what i need to remind myself all the time is it is good for me to collaborate with people to make things yes especially people i love and respect to make creative things because especially like in pandemic and post pandemic I got in the very bad habit of just kind of being a teenager and like doing my own thing and very tunnel vision and do mm. the three things I do every day and don't talk to anybody except for my girlfriend yeah and so it's like you know it, it kind of the lens of the world gets smaller right. right you're like well I'm just gonna eat one of the three things I eat for lunch you know what I mean and you forget that like and, and you don't go out you don't like interact with the world and have ideas and think about different things so it's like I always like, ugh, why did I agree to do this show you know, or whatever? And then once I do it, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy I did that show. Yeah. Because I was in, I was with people. I was watching other people perform. It was inspiring. I was like thinking differently about how I would do something. It's for lack of a better word, I, I'm alive. Right. Right. And it's like experience and immersive as opposed to like sitting at home and just thinking about reasons why not to do something. Yeah. So for me, it is like, I need to remind myself always that it is better to do the thing, to do something new, right? right? To learn something, to go out and to go outside your comfort zone, essentially. Right. No, I totally agree. I feel like that was something that this podcast forced me to do. And honestly, if it wasn't for like Anya and Tucker, I don't, I don't know if I'd still be here doing it because <laughs> mm -hmm. I, there were those moments where I was like, <laughs> yeah yeah but that's a discipline that's the yeah. thing it's like you're like even if i don't want to do it i got to make the donuts yeah exactly exactly well thank you so much for being here tell the people where they can find you and um and what they should be looking out for coming up yes uh you can find me um on instagram it's the mm -hmm. old man version of tiktok uh <laughs> at woody foo and then on my website woodyfoo.com and if the world is still around in december of 2022 Oof. 
I will be uh, in an Apple TV movie, assuming I wasn't cut out of it. Uh, we're not assuming. We're, we're, we're assuming the best. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's called Spirited, and I'll be uh, saying words to Ryan Reynolds in that movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> He's very tall and handsome. He's got perfect teeth. <laughs> yeah, he is. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Woody. Thank and you. signing off. Thanks, Miller. Yeah, bye. Bye. AP Studio Files. AP Studio Files can be found on all streaming platforms. Follow us on Instagram at APStudioBK and message us for info regarding how to attend our monthly apartment party. AP Studio Files is hosted by Miller Pike with technical production by Anya Kapishki, photography by Tucker W. Mitchell, and research by H. Connolly with music by Fab the Duo. Thanks for tuning in.